It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Ten info, standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's calm to 202. 200. Listen, and you'll know. First of all, if you haven't heard this yet, I love this. Rod Arquette on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. How many of you uh, feel with what's going on uh, I don't think so much in this state. Well, maybe a little bit. But I think around the country, as a result of this uh, pandemic that we're all trying to come out of right now, that in many ways we're being treated like children, like kids, being told what to do, when we can do it, how we can do it. I mean, you, you get that feeling? Because I certainly do. Um, and there, there are a lot of stories out there today to make that point. And I'll get to them. The, the, the most prominent story is the one coming out of Texas today involving the uh, Dallas area salon owner. But I, I, I just get a sense sometimes that for some reason, politicians and public health officials all around the country, and I think to some extent here in the state of Utah, are treating us like children. And they don't believe that as adults, we can make adult decisions as to what we want to do and where we want to go and when we want to do it. And, you know, we're, it's almost like we're waiting for a bowl of warm milk every day before we can actually do anything. And I think it is just, you know, it, it, it's starting to reach a breaking point, if it hasn't already, where common sense, fair-minded Americans and fair-minded common sense Utahns, and I know there are a lot of you out there because I hear from you all the time, um, understand that, look it, as adults, treat us like adults and let us make adult decisions. Don't tell us that we have to wear this, or we have to do this, or we have to eat like this. I mean, I think the American people are to the point now, we've been into this, what, eight weeks now, I think? Uh, We're to the point now where, you know, there's so much information coming out that is contradicting what we've been told. Did you hear the the story about the British guy uh, who, who whose initial model that there'd be two and a half million deaths as a result of COVID-19 and what has happened to him. I'll get to that a little bit later on. That's the goofiest story out there. But all of this, you know, we're, you know, and then the story today that uh, the COVID-19 virus may have hit Utah back in January during the Sundance Film Festival. I mean, this, this is where the American people are saying there's all kinds of information coming at us from all kinds of different directions and you you want us to believe that you guys have a firm footing as to what's going on. Therefore, we have to do what you say. I just think I think I think a lot of people are now getting all this information and realizing we've we've gone too far. Uh, and that's what State Representative uh, Paul Ray said on the show yesterday. He said, "Look, you know, he felt that as a member of a powerful House committee in the Utah House a couple of years ago." During the swine flu, when public health officials told him, hey, we would never quarantine healthy people, 
Well, they've done exactly the opposite, and they've quarantined all of us. And I think many of you, including myself, are saying, enough's enough here. You know, quit treating us like children. We know how to behave. We know what to do, and we'll do it. Don't limit us to what we're doing. How are you, everybody? And hello, Utah. Welcome to the Rod Arquette Show. Great to be with you on this Wednesday afternoon here on Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen, you'll know we've got a lot to get to today. Utah Congressman uh, Rob Bishop will be joining us coming up in just a few minutes. He's also a candidate for lieutenant governor. We'll talk about online learning. What we're learning about online learning when it comes to education. We'll talk about the clean air that we have a little bit later on. Larry Gelwicks and Jay Ratliff will join us in the 6 o'clock hour as we talk about, um, you know, travel, tourism, flying today uh, all around the country. There are some interesting developments in the airline industry as well. And as always, we love your phone calls and we love you to be a part of the show. 888-5708010-888-5708010 or on your cell phone, just dial pound 250 and say hey rod and this is national nurses day today kicking it off today and uh we'll read the name of another nurse who's been nominated and is to be recognized during the rod arquette show today that's coming up in just about five minutes so stay tuned all right i want to get to this texan story for for a little bit and i think if you aren't aware of it it is it is a story thank you e-ray it is a story about a salon owner in dallas who was jailed for keeping her business open during amid the coronavirus, all right? And already, several prominent Texas conservatives have rallied to the defense of the woman. Her name is Shelley Luther, and she was fined and sentenced to seven days in jail for intentionally violating an order to shutter her business during the COVID-19 outbreak. The governor in Texas, he's reopening hair salons, by the way, on Friday, called the sentence excessive. Uh, others have called it, um, you know, disgusting, just uh, you know, terrible, straight up wrong. Well, she made a court appearance yesterday, and the judge said, "Look, you violated an order from me. You violated an order from a different judge, and that's wrong. And we don't like, you know, court orders being violated. So therefore, you know, I will, I will vacate that sentence or remove that sentence as long as you apologize to the court and to the city of Dallas." For violating this order. Here's what Shelley Luther had to say to that request. Judge, I would like to say that I have much respect for this court and laws. And that I've never been been in this position before. And it's not some place that I want to be. But I have to disagree with you, sir, when I when you say that I'm selfish. Because feeding my kids is not selfish. I have hairstylists that are going hungry because they'd rather feed their kids. So, sir, if you think the law is more important than kids getting fed, then please go ahead with your decision. But I am not going to shut the salon. Wow. I mean, she is standing up and saying, look. You know, it's more important that I feed my children and the people who work in my salon get an opportunity to feed their children than to put up with this order because it is way too restrictive. Now, on top of that story, we've got this story coming out of Utah today where two Utah County businesses uh, apparently didn't follow public health practices for COVID-19, resulting in 68 positive cases of the disease. The Utah County government officials are not identifying the two business in the announcement, which was apparently posted on Facebook on Monday. Now, the businesses, from what we understand, 
are in different geographic areas of the county. Uh, and the Utah County Health Department discovered that the businesses told their employees not to follow quarantine guidelines after being exposed to a confirmed COVID-19 case there at work. Now, according to the stories, this one in the Deseret News today, one of the businesses, employees who tested positive for COVID-19, were instructed to come back to work. Now, in these businesses, of course, a lot of people are saying that's terrible. They shouldn't have done this. All right, so there's 68 confirmed cases now of the positive cases of the disease. But are they following up? Have any of these workers shown symptoms? Have they been hospitalized? You know, that's that's the story that's not being told. So it's kind of interesting that we're calling out these businesses who are doing whatever they need to do right now, you know, to just stay alive. And now we have the courts going after them as if adults can't figure this out. And that's the whole problem, I think, with what's going on right now. We'll talk a lot more about the Dallas case and what's going on here in Utah throughout the show today. When we come back, Utah Congressman Rob Bishop will join us. He is a uh, also a candidate for lieutenant governor, running along with uh, gubernatorial candidate Thomas Wright. He'll talk about voting here in the state of Utah. That's coming up next right here on the Rod Arquette Show and Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen, and you'll know, all right, we want to recognize one of those great nurses today as part of National Nurses Day here on Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. We received a nominating letter from Chandler Campbell, and he is nominating... Candy Fortier, I believe is how it's pronounced. Candy is my aunt and also in charge, uh, are the, also the charge nurse of the OR at American Fork Hospital. During this time, she has continued working. Her dad, sister, and daughter all tested positive for COVID-19, and she continued to work and support her family. She is an amazing nurse. She's been a nurse for 20 years, and that's why I choose to go to Provo College to follow in her footsteps and hope to become an amazing nurse like her. So congratulations to Candy Fortier, and uh, she's been recognized today as part of National Nurses Day. And uh, Candy, for your hard work and your dedication to your profession and the people you serve, you'll get a wonderful new blanket from Minky Couture. What a great gift that is. All right, that's coming up. All right, now let's talk of just a few minutes right now about selling your home. Uh, a lot of people are thinking, wait a minute, during this crisis, do I want to have people come into the home that I'm trying to sell? How do I sell my home knowing that people are reluctant even to go outside? Well, that's where Justin Udy and Team Real Estate can help you out. Now, Justin's been telling me the last several days, look, Rod, I'm busy. We are selling homes and homes are selling along the Wasatch Front. So the message to you, those of you out there who are thinking about your selling your home but are concerned about it, I invite you to reach out to Justin Udy and Team Real Estate because I trust Justin. He has the knowledge and experience which is necessary to sell homes during this pandemic. Now, he uses modern technology to help you out. He'll create a 360 virtual tour of your home. All the paperwork can be done online. And he even has drones that fly over the house or fly down the neighborhood to give prospective buyers an idea as to what your home looks like and the neighborhood in which it's located. That's just one of the many things Justin is doing right now. He's been selected as HGTV's uh, real estate expert, Utah's real estate expert, and he works with the Century 21 Everest Group. Want to get a hold of Justin? Reach out to him right now at justinud.com. That's just that's 801-443-7700. NAR Services. What? That's my line. Oh, my bad. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. 
sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the Rod Arquette Show here on Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listening, you'll know, what are we learning about all this online learning that moms and dads and kids are having to do right now because the schools are shut down. We'll talk about that coming up at uh, <clears throat> 4.35. Uh, by the way, I just wanted to share this with you. Um, there were some doctors and nurses here from the state of Utah. I think there were about two teams of 100. And um, they left New York City, or they left here to go to New York City and to help people uh, and help hospital staff there deal with the onslaught of patients they got because of the COVID-19 outbreak a couple of weeks ago, and they're now back in Utah. Little did they know what is about to happen to them. The wonderful governor of the state of New York, Andrew Cuomo, was asked about this today, and he said, you know, those emergency workers that came into New York City and into New York State to help us during this pandemic, they're going to be taxed. They will have to pay the payroll taxes related to New York while they were working in New York. So thank you very much, folks, but you're going to have to pay New York state taxes for the time you worked in New York City. Isn't that a wonderful note? All right, joining us on our Newsmaker line right now is uh, Utah Congressman Rob Bishop, who is also a candidate now for lieutenant governor here in the state of Utah. Uh, And he wrote an op-ed piece in the Deseret News the other day about fixing Utah's broken election system. Rob, how are you? And welcome back to the show. Well, thank you. It's always good to be with you, Rob. Rob, why did you write this? I mean, I want to I want to take you back before you can answer that question. I have another one I want to ask you real fast. Well, the whole count my vote effort was underway here in the state, and SB fifty four came out of that. Were you a fan of what was done there? No, I I don't think many people were. It was kind of a last minute effort to try and cobble something together to avoid something else, but it really wasn't a well thought out process, and that's why there's been like six years of litigation over the concept. But what we're seeing now is totally different. We're not now seeing lawsuits about the concept. We're seeing lawsuits about how it's proceeds, how it's proceeding and the very essence of it, which is why everything is in shambles right now. Why do you think it was so important for you to say, hey, if I'm elected and become lieutenant governor, I would oversee the elections here in this state. I am going to fix this broken system. Why, do you, why are you saying that? Well, it's because we're now seeing the problems, not just the concept, but the problems we saw in the details of what's going to happen. We have multiple primary candidates, which means somebody's going to be elected with plurality. There's still no one that's actually even addressed that, even though we've all admitted it was a problem. We now have lawsuits going about the process. 
So there was an executive order that changed the process in the middle of the game, a judicial decision that threw out the entire process in the middle of the game. And now, and then later on, the kind of like the, 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 the straw that broke the camel's back was an op-ed in a, in one of the major Salt Lake newspapers explaining to Democrats on how they could invade the Republican primary and take it over and change long enough to vote and then go back to being a Democrat again. Uh, why this is so unusual is, is I was the party chairman in the late 1990s when we closed the primary and lowered the uh, nomination threshold from 70 to 60 percent. And at that time, what the concept was, the fear was that Democrats who, who specifically tried to avoid primaries for logical reasons of resources were accused of trying to meddle in the Republican primaries, and so they wanted to stop that from happening. Now, not only is that happening, but you have prominent Democrats who are encouraging other Democrats to get involved in the Republican primary. And, and what it boils down to is no one respects the system we have. Everyone is claiming fairness, but fairness to help some people, not others. We just need to sit down, take a step back, think outside the box, and come up with a system in which we can all agree it's a fair system. And I'm sorry, the process of signature gathering is innately wrong and has innate problems, which is why a lot of states are doing, going away from that archaic way of getting somebody nominated for the ballot. Why do you think the uh, the signature gathering system is wrong? Well, first of all, it does not really relate to the elect- electability of a candidate or their ability to govern. It doesn't necessarily help as far as the relationship between candidate and elector. And it's fraught with potential abuses. We have, and I'm not saying our our election office is unfair because I think they are they are as as honest as the day is long. But when you have a temporary officer official being hired to look at candidate signatures and will actually say, I don't think that's the right signature. It looks like it was rushed. So literally we've had hundreds, if not thousands of signatures thrown away for all sorts of candidates because they didn't look right to a temporary employee. What that says is that's potential for lawsuits, as we have seen. And the other thing it says is there's just something wrong with the process. And and that's why you can't fix that. All you have to do is find a different way of getting people to become involved in the system and encourage their activity that doesn't require signatures. Signatures are an archaic way of doing it. We should have never gone down that road in the first place. Rob, I remember during this whole Count My Vote and SB 54 debate, the argument on the Count My Vote side, as I recall, was that we need to increase voter participation here in the state. Just enough, there aren't enough people voting in our primaries and in our elections. And if we do this, we think we'll get more voter participation. Have you seen any evidence of that? No, in fact, I don't even argue. I don't even remember those arguments. They may have been the, you know, the kind of good arguments you throw at to justify the real arguments that you have. Um, but the one thing that we've seen out of this virus situation is that we have never actually thought of how we can use technology to increase participation. But, and that's why we need to think outside of the box and why you don't need signature outs to do that. Like, I was chairman when we only had 2,500 delegates, and I wanted to have more people involved, so I, I doubled it to 5,000 delegates only to find out that we didn't have venues big enough for 5,000 delegates, so we shut, we, we lowered, it, lowered it back down to 3,000. But what we found out right now is with electronic voting, you could have a whole lot more delegates, a whole lot more people involved in the process if we just thought of a different way of doing it. 
if we thought of conventions as a way of qualifying people for the ballot, not necessarily dropping people out of the ballot. We we need to think differently, and I think I have a whole bunch of ideas that we can throw out there and try and get people to come together and say, okay, this is how we have to do the system. This system that we have right now has been litigated for six years, and no one is really talking about stepping forward and trying to fix it and solve it so the litigation doesn't continue on in the years ahead. And that's what I think the job of lieutenant governor is. That's what I want to do. That's why I said, okay, now's the time to come through and, and forget all the stupid lawsuits that we have, the executive orders, the changes, the, the manipulating the rules in the name of fairness. It is not necessarily fair to all. And actually sit down and logically think of a way of coming up with a better system of elections and that we have to set the stage of doing it. We have one year to get it done before you start the cycle of the next elections. It has to be done in this next year. All right, Rob, as always, great chatting with you. Good luck in the uh, in the upcoming primary for the rest of the campaign. Thanks, Rob. Well, hopefully we can bring some sanity to our process. <laughs> that would be nice. All right, Rob, thank you. Rob Bishop, Congressman Bishop. He represents Utah's 1st Congressional District and is also, he is retiring from that position and is now a Republican candidate for lieutenant governor. More coming up. On the Rod Arquette Show on this Wednesday. This is about inspiration. Congratulations to the class of 2020. From iHeartRadio. Give me back my freedom. Give me back my land. Give me back my money. I want to be loyal and I'll be a free man. The Rod Arquette Show. On Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. All right, welcome back to the Rod Arquette Show. Anybody notice how clean our air is? <laughs> surprise, surprise, right? But does it give us an idea as to what would happen if we all stopped driving? Of course, we could also shut down the economy as well, but uh, the air is cleaner out there, I have to admit it. All right, um, you know, a lot of people are, you know, going to... Now examining, all right, um, what will be the so-called new normal when we get out of this pandemic? Uh, All kinds of things. People working from home, uh, people going out to eat, people traveling, people vacationing. Uh, And what about the grand national experiment that is taking place with education right now? And I'm talking about not homeschooling, but online learning. A lot of people are learning about this, and what are some of the things you need to know as this continues? Now, here in the state of Utah, the schools are done for the year. They'll be back hopefully in the fall. But as moms and dads are working with their students at home, what are we learning about online learning? Well, joining us right now is Kevin Chavis. He is the president of Academics Policy in Schools. He's on our Newsmaker line to talk about this today. Kevin, how are you, and welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, Rod. It's great to be with you. Kevin, is uh, online learning right for all students? Do we know yet? Well, it's not right for everyone, but it is for anyone. I mean, uh, our company has been in business for 20 years. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here's we run schools that are fully online, which means that every child's class is a online class in an online classroom setting, or some are blended, where they spend some time in their brick-and-mortar classroom and then uh, maybe two or three days a week there and then a couple days online. And we find that a lot of kids who can't thrive in a brick-and-mortar setting may have special needs, may be talented and gifted academically, or they may have other challenges. It runs the gamut. We have athletes. You know, one of our, in fact, one of our uh, students in our Colorado school won the bronze medal in snowboarding because she trained all the time. So there are a lot of special circumstances but to the point you were making during the opening of this, of, of this segment, uh, there will be more uh, families experimenting with this because it will be part of the new normal. You'll see more and more school districts trying to uh, craft an online experience for many students. Kevin, as you mentioned that, the question I have is, are schools right now having to scramble to try and adjust the traditional school model to meet the unlearning model today? Are the schools, were they ahead of this or are they still trying to figure this out themselves? Well, some were ready. Uh, we're in 35 states. We partner with several school districts. I can tell you some were ready, but, Rod, the, the, the stark reality is most were not. I think the school districts are scrambling, and there are a number of things they need to do in order to make it robust and meaningful. One is they need a secure platform. I mean, if you're going to have kids online, they have to be secure. The, the, you can't have uh, them open to be hacked, and many school districts don't have that uh, IT technology wherewithal to, and, and they haven't developed it in their own school's infrastructure to make it secure. You have to have teachers trained. And, you know, there, there are a lot of similarities, but you, you, teachers do need to operate in an online setting and segment kids in different boxes or Class Connect windows. And then I think the content, the curriculum has to be compatible so you can make the best use of it. So a lot of school districts weren't prepared. But I tell you, I think that more and more are realizing they need to be prepared in the future because we don't even know if school's going to fully open in the fall. Yeah. Someone said this to me a couple of weeks ago, Kevin. I'd like to get your reaction. He says, you know, we're learning about education in America today. We're learning, we send our kids to school for, what, on average about six, six and a half hours a day. But, uh, you know, at home we can do that learning in about two hours' time now. So we're learning a few interesting things about education in this country. What's your reaction to what he said? I think that's a great point. In fact, I've always been a real advocate for parent empowerment. Uh, I think this is an opportunity for parents to play more of an active role, but not necessarily go as far as homeschooling for those who don't want to do it. In an online setting, you will always have a classroom teacher and you have those live sessions. But, you know, the parents can monitor and set set uh, clear hours for students to learn, you know, and have, have study time when they're not in the live sessions. And I think this this being involved in your students' uh, learning experience, as tough as it is. I mean, I've had kids, and I think, my goodness, it would be huh. tough if I had to do that. But I think ultimately it's going to be better, and it's going to be part of what we face in the future. And do you think, uh, are parents prepared for this now? I mean, you know, I have a, a son and daughter-in-law and their, and their daughter who are living with us right now, and they spend time every day. And her mom will come up sometimes pulling her hair out, <laughs> saying, I can't figure out this math or science. I mean, are parents prepared to do online learning? 
Well, like school districts, some are, but most are not. And I think yeah, yeah. just like we're offering training for school districts, I think that one of the things we do, we have what we call our parents or the, or the adult who's helping the student is, is called a learning coach. And we set up what we call Learning Coach University. So we're helping to train parents on how to help their kids in an online setting. I think the school districts need to do more of that so they have these training sessions, orientation sessions, so the parents, even if parents didn't get all the education that they would have liked when they were younger, they can still help their kids grow academically. Final question for you, Kevin. Um, do you think actually we're going to see some maybe significant is too strong of a word, but some interesting changes in education as a result of what we've seen go on over the past several weeks in the future once this pandemic eases up a little bit? Yeah, Rod, it's going to be exciting and scary at the same time. (laughs) I think that the new normal will include more blended programs where, you know, you'll have school districts have kids to come to school maybe 60, 70 percent of the time, but there will be more online learning. I think ultimately that's a good thing. I mean, last thing I say about that, we've learned how to integrate gamification into some of our classes because kids grow up with these video games. It helps get them engaged. And I think if we work smart, use artificial intelligence, virtual reality, it can be a good experience for everyone. Kevin, great conversation. Thank you. Appreciate your time. All right, Rod. Have a good evening. All right, on our Newsmaker line, that's Kevin Chavis. He is president of Academics, Policy, and Schools, talking about what you need to know about online learning, and I agree with him. I think some... 792.33. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. All right, welcome back to the uh, Rod Arquette Show on this Wednesday afternoon. AJ will join us for some uh, entertainment news here in just a minute. Um, Let's see, I've been working from home. I think we're into week number seven. I know AJ has been doing it. A lot of the on-air personalities with iHeartMedia here in Salt Lake have done it, and a lot of people around the country are doing it. Here's an interesting survey. The survey out finds that working from home has so many benefits, 48% of workers would take a pay cut to continue. Not this guy. Uh, although adults around the world have been forced to start working from home amidst the uh, coronavirus outbreaks, a global poll of some 2,250 office workers suggests that many of them are actually much happier working from home. Not only that, 77% believe working from home is one of the most effective ways to help the environment. We'll talk about that a little bit later here in the show about how our air is a little bit cleaner. But the survey does find that a lot of people say working from home has many benefits. And almost half the workers who were surveyed said they would take a pay cut to continue doing that. All right, time now for entertainment. Major Hollywood news. All right, time to check in with AJ from 97.1 ZHD, who is also working from home and has been for several weeks now. How are you, man? Doing great. Not wearing pants. Day number 67 <laughs> in a row. <laughs> TMI, baby. TMI. Uh, I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. Yeah. Uh, no, today I put on pants. So it's a oh. banner day in the AJ household. Uh, let's see. Where to begin? Chris Evans is uh, offering a, a fans, that is, a chance to have, listen to this, a virtual hangout session with the cast of Avengers. 
Uh, it would be part of the All In Challenge, so you'd have to go to allinchallenge.com, but it, you would get to play it, virtual games, you know, like uh, the Facebook style that everybody's doing right now, uh-huh. with him, Captain America, Scarlett Johansson, Mark Ruffalo, Robert Downey Jr., Chris Hemsworth, and Jeremy Renner. Wow. <laughs> wow, that could be fun. Dude! That could be dude, fun. Dude, you want to talk about mind-blowingly awesome opportunity, and, I mean, that, that puts the friends... Reunion on the set of Friends with the cast of Friends, all in challenge yeah. to shame. Right yeah, there, it does. That is, it does. That yeah. is amazing. Yeah, it does. So Daniel Radcliffe is going to start reading chapters of the original Harry Potter book. Uh, I think he's going to do it on Twitter. Uh, there was also talk of him doing it just on a live YouTube channel, or maybe on like the the Harry Potter Facebook page. Maybe they'll share it in all of them. Uh, but can you imagine being introduced to the Harry Potter universe? By Harry Potter himself, or even if you're a fan of these books, being read read the books by Harry Potter. I mean, it's pretty cool, man. Oh, that's, yeah, that's kind I of mean, a cool thing. Did you ever read those books? It, it, no, nah, neither did I. No. I can't read. I. You know that. <laughs> yeah, you can. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, I, it's it's kind of like the Game of Thrones books to me. Like, hey, they yeah. made a show. I don't have to watch. Or I don't have yeah. to read the book. Yeah. Why watch? True. You know True. What I mean, <laughs> uh, and then John Cena. It did not let this whole COVID pandemic stop him from granting the wish of a Make-A-Wish kid. David Castle is this kid in Tampa, and he basically wore a mask and, a gloves, and, and gloves and, and party-bombed this kid's birthday party, albeit a very small birthday party, but he brought all kinds of autographed stuff, including WWE championship belts. He signed shirts and a bobblehead, gave him a hat and some, some armbands, and this kid who has uh, cancer is just absolutely oh, cool. over the moon yeah. over stuff like this. And, I mean, there is so many stories like this of celebrities going above and beyond right now for yeah. for people, whether they're, you know, maybe kids with cancer in this case or just, you know, grown-ups and stuff too. A lot of people are stepping up, aren't they? Which I think is great. Well, I think it shows that those people, the celebrities, are, are really – they're more grounded than we give them credit for, I think, sometimes. In the case of John Cena, he's always been kind of the everyman's big man, you know, movie star kind of guy. But even with, like, the cast of Avengers, all of those guys probably have, a, um, you know, a day-to-day life that, like, it's almost probably identical to what you and I are doing on a regular basis. <laughs> they get up, they're bored, they go to the bathroom, you know I mean? Like, yeah, it's just, it's yeah. a day-to-day thing, and it's all pretty much the same for all of us, and they realize that, and they want to share and make some people happy. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And, and God bless them for doing it, man. Yeah, yeah awesome. You know, and I, I've always wondered, AJ, um, people who shoot movies, once the movie is done, yeah. are they looking for the next movie to shoot? Or are they just kind of hanging around? I've always wondered yeah. what they do. Are they looking at scripts all the time? I've, I've always wondered what they do. Well, you and I were never big enough to have an agent, but I think it's the agent's that's job true. to go through all yeah, this. Yeah, that's stuff. the agent's job. Yep, find him working. <laughs> all right, man. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Get some info. Standard data and message rate supply in this nationwide contest. That's care to 200 200.
Live, local, and with you everywhere as you download the iHeartRadio app. Welcome back. The Rod Arquette Show here on Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen, and you'll know we are an iHeartRadio station. Great to be with you on this Wednesday afternoon. Um, all right. Here in a little bit, I want to I want to talk to you about what happened in Dallas here. And, um, you know, if this, if this uh, salon order, owner, if she was in the wrong for um, refusing to follow an order from the courts to keep her business closed. This has created quite a national story. It raised a lot of questions about, you know, what we're being told to do during all of this and uh, why we should follow this. She said, look, well, we'll get into this in the uh, here, here in a few minutes because I want to talk to you about that. And, you know, there's a real debate out there uh, about wearing masks. Now, we explored this early, several weeks ago, but I want to go back with it. Because I want to explore with you why some people have decided not to wear a mask during this coronavirus crisis. Uh, I'm not a big fan of them. I I wore one once. My wife and I went shopping at, uh, where was I? I think it was Sam's Club. And she said, you know, you better wear a mask. And I said, okay, I, uh, you know, I will. Not to cause a scene for my sweet wife. Uh, but we got inside the store and about half the people were and half the people weren't. So why aren't people wearing a mask? So we'll talk about all of this coming up in a minute. But the one thing I want to talk about right now is this uh, study coming out of the University of Utah. And uh, it is showing, in fact, that because we are driving less, uh, many of us are working from home. There's not as much of that car activity on the roads out there. That guess what? The air is cleaner. Boy, that's a big surprise, right? Joining us on our Newsmaker line to talk about this study and what they're finding out is Dr. Logan Mitchell. He is a Ph.D., a research assistant professor with the Department of Atmospheric Sciences there up at the University of Utah. That's a long title, Dr. Mitchell. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. I don't want, I, you know, I don't want to talk about uh, pandemics in this in this context, but in a way, is this a once in a lifetime opportunity to really see what would happen? if we drove less. Is it, do you think, Dr. Mitchell? Well, I sure hope it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity because I would hate to see anything like this happen again. Um, but as scientists, you know, it's a terrible uh, thing that's, that is happening. But, you know, it's it's really amazing natural experiment to, as you say, take half the cars off the roads and see what air quality looks like. What does the air quality look like now? Uh, what kind of a difference are we seeing, Dr. Mitchell? Well, there's huge improvements in the air quality um, and the pattern throughout the day and of the different uh, pollutants that we measure show a clear imprint of reduced traffic. Um, traffic emits a lot of nitrogen oxides and we see the nitrogen oxides decline, get you know, lower in the atmosphere, specifically around the rush hour time periods. Um, and we see different atmospheric chemistry um, nitrogen oxides go through chemical reactions to affect ozone. And we see slightly higher ozone at night, which is consistent with the chemistry that would be going on with lower emissions from traffic again. Um, and what's really neat that we're seeing here is we not only see this at our ground stations that are around the around Salt Lake City, but we can also see the same sort of a signal uh, from satellites too, comparing 2020 to 2019, we see this really uh, stark signal of reduced, again, nitrogen oxides. So there's a really holistic picture of better air quality um, 
because uh, during this during the lockdown. So is everything down, Dr. Mitchell? I mean, or, or, you know, you mentioned nitri- uh, nitrogen oxide, but what about ozone? What about the fine particulate matter, carbon dioxide? Are they all down? Yeah, so ozone turns out, because of the interesting chemistry with nitrogen oxides, ozone is actually slightly higher. Um, ozone, it's, it's, it's complicated, but when during the daytime, um, nitrogen oxides will you know, react uh, in the presence of sunshine to form ozone, but at nighttime, it actually depresses ozone, it actually uh, consumes it. And mm-hmm. so because we have less nitrogen oxides, ozone is actually up slightly at night. Um, particulate matter is lower also, which is fascinating. Um, and there's going to be a whole lot more studies to look into why that is. Carbon dioxide is also down. We measure that in several stations uh, across the city. So we're, yeah, again, we're seeing this really consistent pattern of lower emissions of a lot of different things that are consistent with uh, this uh, impact. Do you think things would be different, Dr. Mitchell, if we were locked in one of those uh, inversions that we get during the winter around here? Do you think things would be a little bit different during an inversion? Yeah, I mean, if 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 this had have happened during an inversion season, we would have a lot less uh, particulate matter in, in the atmosphere. And, you know, it's 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 interesting the timing of this because normally in March we have really good air quality, and what's almost surprising to me is that even though we typically have good air quality in March, we can really see a big improvement in our air quality. And so if this you know you know hopefully this pandemic doesn't last until next winter, but if it does last into next winter and we see again a reduction in traffic or more people are working from home. Um, we're going to see improvements in our air quality during our winter inversion season, uh, which would be really, really helpful. I understand the uh, the results of this are still very preliminary, and you'll be updating it as we go along here. But as people read about this and hear our interview, what should they be taking away from this, Dr. Mitchell, do you think? I think one of the biggest takeaways to me is to understand and to see that it's it's really possible to improve our quality. You know, Air quality has been an issue literally since uh, Utah was formed as a state. The first ordinance control passed in 1891. Um, and so it has always been an issue here. And people say, ah, we, it just is really difficult. And it is difficult because we have the mountains, we have the inversion. And, but this is showing that, if, that there are solutions out there. And, you know, one thing that... This obviously came about because of a terrible pandemic, and we took 50% of the cars off the roads for a short period of time. But if we could get, you know, if we could in the future, uh, not in a pandemic, um, convert half of our cars to electric vehicles, we'd see this improvement in air quality all the time. Or maybe a 30% conversion to electric vehicles and 20% people work from home. Um, you know, we'd see these, this permanent improvement in air quality. And, and what this is showing is that it's really possible to, to make these uh, make this transition happen and happen. I was going to ask you, I know a lot of people are speculating, okay, what's going to be the new normal? How life, you know, how, how much changes are we going to see in a, a normal day as a result of this pandemic? Do you think this information could lead to some of the changes you're talking about? Maybe more people working from home, maybe more people driving electrical, electric vehicles. Do you see that possibly happening as a result of this? 
Um, it's, it's possible, you know, what's going to happen? Who really knows? There, there's, I yeah, mean, there's yeah, a lot yeah, of people yeah. that are working on this, but, um, it could go a hundred different ways. Um, but I know for a long time, folks have been trying to get people to work from home and it's, and it's been a challenge because, you know, so much of what we do as humans is interact face to face. And so this has really been a crash course for our entire society about how to work from home and, I think some of that will will stick with us. And I guess another aspect of that is, you know, once we emerge from the pandemic, there's going to be a big question about how do we grow our economy um, and rebuild our economy um, to get back to where we were. And, and there's going to be a question about, you know, where do we, how do we best grow? And I think that this really points a, a clear picture of ways that we can invest in the future in kind of the future of our energy and our economy in ways that would be beneficial to air quality as well as, you know, economic growth and production of jobs. On our newsmaker line from the University of Utah, that's Dr. Logan Mitchell talking about the air up and down the Wasatch Front throughout the entire state as a result of this pandemic. We aren't driving. We're staying at home. We aren't going to school. And as a result of that, the air is a lot cleaner. And he did want me to mention, I want to pass this along to you as well. Uh, Coming up tonight at 6 o'clock, Utah Congressman John Curtis will be talking with BYU professor Dr. Arden Pope about clean air and stewardship in a virtual town hall meeting. And you can find that on Facebook tonight. The Rod Arcancho continues. We'll have more on what's going on in Dallas and talk to you about wearing masks and the debate over that. That's coming up on the Rod Arcancho. But today, of course... Is National Nurses Day, and we want to thank all of you, everybody out there involved in the medical profession and helping us try and get through this pandemic. And, of course, with National Nurses Day, we are recognizing some nurses here on the Rod Arquette Now, these names were given to us through a nominating process. We had posted on our website for a couple of weeks, and we invited, you know, uh, husbands, family, wives, uh, family, friends, neighbors, whoever, to submit to us in 250 words or less a nurse that they think should be recognized. And right now, we'd like to recognize Shirsten Loomis. Uh, Her husband, she was nominated by her husband, Tim, who I know is a big fan of the show. Tim writes this about his wife. He said, I would like to nominate my wife. She is a home health nurse for IMC. Now, normally, they have about 7 to sometimes 10 patients per day, and they are only supposed to spend a short amount of time to dress their wounds or other medical needs and then have to rush to the next patient to get them all taken care of during a shift, and that includes the drive from patient to patient. Well, patients keep asking IMC to send her back because, he says, my wife These patients are so lonely because of no visitors. They love when she comes there. She is such a good listener and has a great bedside manner that many times she will spend over an hour just getting them to talk and then spends until midnight just to allow them to chat and to finish all her charting. That's just one of the many wonderful nurses that we have here in the state of Utah. So, Shirsten, congratulations to you. And you'll be getting that's 444-9100 or online at sternsellshomes.com. That's sternsellshomes.com. The Rod Arcancho on Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen and you'll know. All right, we've got some time now. I want to talk to you about a couple of things. And our phone lines are open at 888 5708 
and on your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say, hey, Rod. Now, a couple of stories out there tonight. This uh, story coming out of Dallas, which I find very, very interesting. Uh, this is the story about a, uh, a salon owner there in the Dallas area. She lives in North Dallas, I believe. Her name is Shelly Luther. Um, she has been sent to jail now for seven days for for defying a previous temporary restraining order. She opened up her salon, and you'll you'll hear from her in a minute uh, about what she told the judge today, but now you have the Texas governor and the attorney general lashing out at that judge who jailed her for opening her establishment amid the crisis, calling it a political stunt that sent the wrong message to a mother who just wanted to feed her children. That's what she told the court today. Now, Luther, a couple of weeks ago, was at a rally in Dallas, and she basically tore up an order, uh, a cease and desist order. She tore it up in public at this rally and then threw it away, went flying off in the air. Then there's a scene where she is outside her, um, her salon there in Dallas, and she is being given a contempt of court order. She said, thank you very much. She walked in back into her salon, said, anybody need a haircut? Come on in. So she violated both a cease and desist order and a contempt of court order. And as a result of that, a judge in Texas today or yesterday sentenced her to jail and ordered her to pay a $7,000 fine. And the judge today said, look, I won't send you to jail. I'll reduce the money that I'm asking you to pay, his name, by the way, is Judge Eric Moye. Uh, I'll re- I-, I won't send you to jail for seven days, and I'll reduce the fine if you apologize to the court for what you've done today. Here's what she had to tell the judge. Yeah. All right, I did not hear that, but I, I, Evray, did we get that played? <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Here's Shelly Luther, the salon order, what she told the judge today. Judge, I would like to say that I have much respect for this court and laws. Mm-hmm. And that I've never been, been in this position before. And it's not some place that I want to be. But I have to disagree with you, sir, when, I, when you say that I'm selfish. Because feeding my kids is not selfish. I have hairstylists that are going hungry because they'd rather feed their kids. So, sir, if you think the law is more important than kids getting fed, then please go ahead with your decision. But I am not going to shut the salon. Now, a lot of conservatives, including Ted Cruz, the governor there in Texas, the attorney general, Ken Paxton there in Texas, are all saying the judge went way too far on this. My question would be, what if, in fact, she does go to jail? She's in jail now. I don't think she's been released as of yet. You know, I thought I heard someone earlier today said she had been. I don't think she has been. But what if she goes to jail and actually comes down with COVID-19 while she's serving her seven-day sentence? What do we do in that case? So was, was she right or was she wrong? In doing this, because basically she defied a cease and desist order and defied a contempt of court order because she said, look, i got to feed my children, the people who work for me. I've got to take care of them as well. All right. Now, the other thing I want to bring up is this, this debate over mask wearing. 
Now, you know, um, the governor, and by the way, I think it's his birthday today. Happy birthday to uh, Governor Herbert. But Connor Boyack tweeted this out just a short time ago. And basically, the governor, in his one of his latest mandates, the governor, by law, says that employees of any business wear masks in public settings where other social distancing measures are difficult to maintain. Now, Connor says, I don't see where he's allowed to make such an order in the Emergency Management Act. And there, there, there's an interesting article out there today about this debate over people who want to wear masks. And it is causing battles here on the front lines in Utah and battles around the country. People are saying, yes, I'll wear one. No, I won't wear one. I'm not a big fan of them. And I remember when this first started weeks and weeks ago, you know, and people were talking about wearing masks. And I can't remember who told me this, but they said, look, this virus is so small, so tiny that it can get through any mask out there. And that if, in fact, you're trying to protect yourself from getting the virus, that mask is not going to do anything. Now, there are some people who say, well, the mask protects others who you come in contact with from getting the virus from you. Well, what if you don't even know you have it? So I've got, uh, you know, the the lines are open because I want to talk to you about both these topics today. I find this Dallas story very, very interesting because here we have a clash again. And uh, I started the show today of people being told what to do. And we've about had it. That is not what America is all about. It never has been. Being told what to do under the guise, well, we've got to protect the public. But shouldn't we be treated as adults and not like children? That judge, I think, was way out of line. Seven days in jail and a $7,000 fine. Now, I'm not, you know, involved in the courts, thank, thank goodness, you know, for violating a cease and desist order or violating a t- contempt of court order. And now you've got people in Texas saying, wait a minute. You have gone way too far, Judge Moyer. And then here in the state of Utah and around the country, the debate over masks. Why don't you wear them? 888-570-8010, 888-570-8010, or on your cell phone, all you do is have to dial pound 250 and say, hey, Rod, and we'll get to your calls coming up in just a minute. I have a question for you right now. Here's another one. Are you feeling tired or lacking energy right now? Well, I want to tell you right now about Restore Hyper Wellness. Restore Hyper Wellness offers a variety of treatments from cryotherapy. Oh, I've done that. That Boy, does you feel good when you try cryotherapy to IV drip therapy that can re-energize your body and mind. Visit them in Draper and Sugar House or at their new location in Farmington, which is going to be opening in June. Call today at 385-255-CRYO. That's 385 385- 255-C-R-Y-O and ask about their first-time discounts. Restore Hyper Wellness. Restore your health. 5 8737 All right, I want you to ask yourself this question as we start taking your phone calls tonight on the Rod Arquette Show. You know, we've been trying to deal with this uh, pandemic now for the last, you know, since about early March, maybe February. Um, And, you know, it has impacted every aspect of our lives. People are without jobs. We can't go out and do the things that we enjoy. Uh, Health officials are doing all they can to try and contain this, primarily to protect the hospitals. 
but the hospitals, I think, are in pretty good shape anymore. As a matter of fact, they're opening up again to uh, deal with uh, people who have heart issues or cancer patients along those lines. Um, so my question is, as re- and, and I want to get your thoughts on this, the Texas story as well, and this is a lot owner, but why does returning to normal after the coronavirus lockdown have to be such a fight? I mean, why are we fighting over wearing masks? Why are we fighting over the fact that we can't do what we normally would do? Why are we, I mean, shouldn't we be together and say, hey, we're going to move in this direction? But it is a fight. And maybe it's, maybe it's just, you know, uh, it's part of what's going on in America today. Everything. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's a fight. And why does it have to be that way? 888-570-8010, 888-570-8010. On your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say, hey, Rod, let's go to the phones and see what you have to say tonight. We begin in Corinne with Tom. Tom, welcome to the Rod Arquette Show. Thank you, Rod. And I guess I'll say thank you for taking my call. And for the heck of it to be a little silly, I'll uh, say thank you to your call screener, who apparently is a part-time fireman sometimes. So thank you for doing such a great job, Mr. Screener. <laughs> he is. He's handle, He's juggling a lot of things back there, Tom. So thank you. Eric will appreciate that. <laughs> while he was talking to me, he had to suddenly hang up and call, call, you know, came back to the fire to put out a fire. So while I was on hold, I was like, yeah. hey, so he's yeah. a part-time yeah. essential worker. He's a part-time fireman. Yeah. So anyway. He sure is. Thank you. So I got uh, two and a half things that I'd like to be able to share with you if I have the time. One is the salon, one maybe the mask, and then two, something about the temperature, which I find a little ironic. Um, one, the salon. Unfortunately, what this pandemic is doing is showing how liberal thinking people really, really can be. And dictatorship, The judge, a judge is supposed to follow the law. There's no law that says, you know, I'm, I, that you have to apologize, you know, or I'm going to hold you in contempt or put yeah, you in jail yeah, or whatever yeah, else. Yeah. And, you know, ladies, mm-hmm. maybe the lady could have done this a little bit differently so that it wouldn't, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that this becomes such a problem, but I'm not going to apologize for trying to feed my kids. Uh, I'm not going to go yeah. on welfare and I'm not going to beg for help. I'm a worker. And the judge should have, you know, Putting her in jail like that, you know, that's just as bad as the you know the guy in Denver. Him and his family went to the park. No one was there. Oh yeah, and yeah, they you know yeah. with his little girl, I remember and that. they put him in jail till the end of last month. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know. But then again, something like this is waking people up that think differently than you and I do. If you got my drift, they're starting to see yeah. the real of what happens. Um, and something happened happened a little bit ago in relation to the temperature. And I would like to actually say something about the mask, if you'll allow me at the end. But the temperature thing, I okay. found interesting. I, today was the first time I did it. I, I got, you know, the temperature check. And on my way to where I needed to go, I'm thinking to myself, the person checking the temperature was two feet away from me. 
It's like, <laughs> was, that, was that person wearing a mask? <laughs> Tom, was that person wearing a mask? They were, yes, they're wearing a mask, but I don't think they had okay. gloves on. Yeah. And they had bare okay. arms. Oh, oops. Uh-huh. So it's yeah. like, I know that there's a way to check a temperature from a distance because I am a truck driver, and sometimes there, our loads have to be che- the temperature check, and the security guard will put a, a red infrared light into the thing tw- 10, 20 feet back. So maybe that's one thing that should be looked at instead of, I'm two feet away from you, so you have a temperature of yeah. 100 degrees. Uh-oh, you might have COVID. Now I just got it, too. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. All um, right, quickly, Tom, your thing, thought on mask. i got to get to other callers here. Quickly. My best response is, I mean, I, I agree with you, but then again, why do we have seatbelt laws? Why do we have a helmet law for motorcycles? Because, unfortunately, people need to be protected from themselves at times. And I think that's kind of what they're doing, is just trying to protect ourselves from each other, of getting infected, whatever else. And it's harsh. All I right. agree. I, I keep forgetting to put one on, but uh, that's kind of the way I look at it. Uh, it's an evil necessity temporarily. That's the way we get to live periodically. And thank you for taking my call, and I'll let you go. How's All that? right, Tom. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it, Tom. Thank you. Let's go to Bill and Sandy tonight, see what he has to say about all of this. Bill, welcome to the Rod Arquette Show. Rod, good talking with you, my friend. Hey, um, in regards to this gal this, uh, that has a salon in Texas, my heart's out for her. I think she did the right thing. The judge was wrong in what he did in sentencing her to jail. Now, I heard, um, I think I read this online earlier, that the attorney general in Texas has released her. So I do oh, think he that has. she okay. is. I haven't seen yeah, that. Yeah, I haven't seen that I believe, yeah, I believe that she is free, but she has every right in the world to take care of her family and or her own or kids, make sure there's food on the table. Here's one of the biggest peeves I have, and I hear it on television all the time. We're all in this together. No, I think aren't. that's a. We're not. We're not. No. Uh, no, no one's aren't. out there paying my bills. No one's out there uh, making sure my company survives. That is the worst thing. And in regards to masks, I don't wear them. Worst false sense of security that we could ever give each other is like, oh, we're going to wear this mask, so we're we're in this little bubble of immunity now that we'll never catch this disease. Uh, they can't say that it will protect you, and they fully cannot say that they can't. And what's really distraught, what really burst, kind of really gets under my skin, Rod, is all these city leaders all over the United States that say one thing and then do the other. Oh, yeah, we'll oh, yeah. be on lockdown, but I'm going to go out and a walk. I'm going to go stroll. I'm going to go take care of my things. And the last thing, Rod, I love you, man. You're my favorite. <laughs> You're, Thank you. Um, Thank you, Bill. These Arrows on the aisles at grocery store, one way in and one way out of the store. Since when did that stop a disease? I mean, come on, people. <laughs> if I'm going down the aisle the wrong way and you're in front of me, get out of my way if you're that feared. We can't <laughs> let right. individuals' fear dictate other people's lives. And, All right, Bill, um, good comments. I've, I've well, got to move on, Bill, but thank you. I appreciate I appreciate your support for the show and some of your comments. Yeah, the one-way aisles, mm, I don't get that either, but apparently it's all part of social distancing. The Rod Arquette Show continues with more of your calls at 888-5708-0. For emergencies, when you call today, we come today.
The Rod Arquette Show on Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen, and you'll know how many of you are planning a vacation this year. There's some great deals out there. Out there, Larry Gelwicks from Columbus Travel will join us. We'll also talk with our aviation expert, Jay Ratliff, coming up in the uh, 6 o'clock hour. Jay has some insight as to what the airlines are doing. A lot of airline news out there as it struggles to stay afloat or up in the air, so to speak, during this uh, COVID-19 pandemic. All right, if you're just joining us right now, I want to go back to the phone calls. We're talking about um, this idea of mask. Apparently, there is a real debate in this country, and people are you know, saying, okay, I'll wear one. Others are saying, no, I don't want to wear one. Are they effective? There's a real debate. The other point is about what's going on in Texas with the salon owner who opened up her business. And by the way, the people inside who worked for her were all wearing masks. They had properly social distanced. They had moved the chairs around, but she was cited with a contempt of court and a cease and desist order, which she ignored both of them. And she's been sent to jail. I'm told now that she's out of jail. But to pay a $7,000 fine, she refuses to apologize. So let's get some of your thoughts on all of this. Another thought I have, why is it such a fight? I mean, we're trying to get the country back up and going. And there's such a fight out there right now. I don't get it. Carl in Taylorsville. Carl, how are you? Welcome to the show. I'm fine, Rod. Thanks for taking my call. Um, You're welcome, girl. What are your mask, thoughts on this? You know, the, the masks and the issue down in Texas, these are kind of symptomatic of the real core issue. And I, I, this is almost a public service announcement to let the listeners know that they all need to look up and Google a, the, the, the strategy called Cloward and Piven. C-L-O-W-A-R-D mm-hmm. yep, and Piven. Yep. Francis Piven, they're both professors of anthropology at Columbia. Francis Piven was Rahm Emanuel and his brother's mentor at the University of Illinois in Chicago. They, in 1966, drafted a paper saying that one way you could collapse a democratic society because of the fact that we are compassionate and we have, uh, unlike socialist countries, we have feelings for our fellow citizens, that you could overwhelm it with a a natural or a man-made event that would crash both the welfare system and the medical system. It's going on right now. All of this other stuff is just a byproduct of of what's going on. People need to look up the Cloward-Piven strategy. I swear, they are in a picture. They are part of the Motor Voter Registration Act. There's a picture of them. When Clinton signed the Motor Voter Registration, they're standing behind him. All right, all right, Carl, thank you for that phone call. We'll take a look at that. Let's go to uh, Pleasant Grove and see what Karen has to say tonight on the Radar Cat Show. Karen, how are you, and welcome. I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Um, I just wanted to point out, when I've had the last three back surgeries that I had, my surgeon, the nurse, the anesthesiologist, every single one of them wore a mask. We were all presumably healthy. Why on earth would they wear a mask if they didn't work? They do work. Common sense dictates that they work. There's a new study that just came out yesterday that showed that cotton and surgical masks are effective. It's not about something having to have the properties that stop the virus. It's about something having the ability to stop the delivery device, i.e. mucus and saliva. It is common sense. It's not that much to ask. Wear a mask. There are a lot of people out there that are at risk, including myself. I'm a business owner, I pay taxes, and I want to work. But I don't think it's too much to ask that everybody else 
wear a mask to help protect people like me from people who are infected and contagious before they show symptoms and asymptomatic carriers. I lived in South Korea during the SARS epidemic, and people wear masks there as part of their daily wardrobe. They're doing a lot better than us. Karen, can I ask you real quick, because I'm up against a break here. Where did you see that study? Do you remember where you saw that study? Because I'd like to look um, at it. Do you remember where you found it? I it on my Facebook page, and I can send it to you. I ha- actually had one of my pe- friends in the medical community send it to me, because I've been pretty okay. outspoken on wearing masks okay. because I'm immunocompromised. But I'd yeah, be glad ju- to ju- it to you, Rob. Okay, just email it to me at rod at knrs.com, okay? Rod at knrs.com, and I'll get it. All right, Karen, thank you. Appreciate you sharing that. I do want to look that up because there's a real debate, okay? Is it to um, protect you from getting the virus or protect others from getting the virus from you? And by the sounds of it, Karen says a little bit of both maybe, right? All right, when we come back, taking a vacation, flying on an airline. Or zero payments for six months. Just log on to lowbookcells.com. Live, local, and everywhere with you on the iHeartRadio app, of course, Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. We are an iHeartRadio station, and we appreciate you joining us each and every afternoon from 4 to 7 here on the Rod Arcacho as we keep you up to date on what's going on with the pandemic. Of course, Glenn and Rush and Shannon, great to have Rush back on. And I know he had a break last week, had to take care of some oral surgery, but uh, he really speaks for America. He truly is. America's Anchorman, and I know a lot of you turn to him each and every day to uh, get his take on the news, and usually I think he's spot on with everything he says. Like he says, what is 98.8% of the time, he's a, he's right, it's something like that. So it's great to have you on, and great to uh, to uh, have you join us each and every day. And what good news today about Bryce Canyon, open again. I mean, uh, you know, it's got to be just gorgeous down there this time of year, usually a little bit cooler than it is in July and uh, August, so that's good news for people who enjoy Bryce Canyon. All right, um, you know, the industry, well, one of the, almost every industry has been impacted by coronavirus, but certainly one of them has been the tourism industry. And, um, you know, but what people don't realize is uh, there's, there's, some, there's some great deals out there, and that's why I wanted to bring in Larry Gelwicks, of course, the getaway guru, host of Columbus Travel, the show you hear every Saturday at 11 here on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Listen in, you know, all right, Larry, we've been pent up. For a long time, not sure what's going to be ahead, but I want to get the heck out of Dodge. Not that I don't like Utah, Larry, but I want to get out of Dodge. Are there some great deals out there, Larry? Oh, Rod, there really are. You know, there's been all sorts of uh, surveys, both locally and nationally, and there is such a pent-up desire to travel or get out of Dodge. But, of course, we want to do it in a healthy and safe manner. Now, a lot of people are thinking, well, things will come back, and 2021 is going to be a banner year for deals. And there will be some really good deals in 2021. But right now, 2020 uh, is the time to be looking. And, Rod, you know, people might be a little hesitant to say go in May, but late summer, fall, and winter, prices are dropping like flies. Wow. So are you saying, Larry, it's kind of a good idea to start poking the bear and see what's out there when it comes to vacation deals? Absolutely. See, here's what's going to happen. You remember after 9-11, airlines 
uh, cruise lines and resorts used price as a lure to bring back. Now, the situation is very different from 9-11, but we're going to see price as the big lure, the bait to get us back, and I'm willing to bite the hook. I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, right now, and I'm looking at, uh, you know, late summer and fall, Hawaii. Six days, five nights at a good three-star hotel, round-trip air, all taxes and fees, $649. That's about the price of airfare only. You buy yeah. it as a package. And, you know, the, the thing that I recommend people do, Rod, is before you buy, check the cancellation and refund policies of whatever airline, cruise line, resort that you're considering, just go to their website. Some of the cruise lines, you know, people are thinking, I, well, is it going to be safe in September or August or November? Some of the cruise lines are giving you a 24-hour cancellation notice. And you could, depending on the cruise line, either get a refund or a future cruise credit without penalty. And so you, you want to check. That's not every cruise line. You know, like Norwegian's 48 hours. But you just want to check that. Uh, Rod, can we get you on a cruise this oh. fall? <laughs> I'd go on cruises anytime, Larry. I, you know, my, I think I told you my wife and I were planning to go to Hawaii this year. Again, we went yeah, last summer, yeah. but I got sick over there, and I wanted to go back this year, and we had to cancel that. And I hear you telling me about this deal in Hawaii. Man, I'm ready to book a flight now, Larry. <laughs> It really is. Now, what you want to wow. do is, again, check, because Hawaii does have that 14-day quarantine that should be lifted in the next uh, little bit. Here are some cruise rates. Rod, got any plans to go to the Big Apple this year? Uh, no. Or well, I, I've got to go to New York. I'm not going... I've got to go to New York, but I'm not going to the Big Apple. I'll go to my hometown in way upstate New York, almost into okay. Canada. Okay. Well, how, how about a six-day, five-night cruise out of New York, end of September... Holy Toledo, I've never heard of of something like that. Yeah, Western Caribbean, end of August, a one-week cruise, $279. A Western Mediterranean in Europe in November, $229. If you want something closer to town, Mexican Riviera out of L.A. Long Beach, a full week, end of September, $314. All of these rates are exclusive of taxes, and always rates vary by departure date and are subject to availability. Wow. Wow. Now, That's I, amazing. Can, can I, That's can amazing. I give you one more? Can All I give right. you one All more? Right. Yep, yep. Okay, how about this? This is something. This is a travel show heard right here on Talk Radio 105.9. Uh, we are giving away on the travel show um, two free tickets. Anywhere Southwest Airlines flies, uh, in the 48 states. Now, we announced this last Saturday. You, no purchase is required. You just have to register for the drawing on the uh, travel show and uh, take a very short survey. The survey is, what are your thoughts about travel? When do you want to get going again? When we, What will it take to make you uh, feel safe? Just a few questions and register. Uh, now, the, the survey... Uh, closes tomorrow at noon. We announced okay. it last Saturday right here okay. on KNRS Radio. And so if you want to take this survey and get a chance to win some uh, really cool prizes, including two free tickets on Southwest, you go to columbusvacations.com 
columbusvacations.com and just click on the survey and we'll be announcing the results. You know, what might be interesting is in, in a little bit, have me back on and we could talk about what our, what yeah, your I, listeners are thinking yeah. about radio travel. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I'd like to see what they're saying about that. That'd be interesting, Larry. Larry, before I let you go, I've got one real quick, quick question on all of this because you've been in this industry for a very, very long time, Larry. What do you think will come back first? Will it be the airlines or will it be the cruising? Air. And Air. it's going to be slowly rolling back. You know, airlines have said they're going to send, Delta said they're not going to sell more than 60% of the seats on any flight through the end of June. They're not doing the middle seats. Uh, many of the cruise lines have already announced they're not sailing. Uh, Carnival said through the end of August. And I think people have to be really comfortable that it's not a Petri dish, but it's a safe environment. And the, the length that cruise lines are going to make it safe are extraordinary. I think what the cruise lines will do is they won't go out at 100% capacity. They're going to cut yeah. back and make – they just don't need uh, another princess cruise in Yokohama no. Harbor no. story. <laughs> they, they sure don't, Larry. Larry, as always, great chatting with you. We'll make sure we listen Saturday to the travel show getting underway at 11 o'clock. Thanks, Larry. Enjoy the rest of the evening. Thanks, Rod. All the best. All right. Great show. All right. Larry Gelwick from Columbus Travel. And make sure you listen in and make sure you take that survey and find out if you could win those tickets, getaway tickets, two free tickets anywhere Southwest flies in the contiguous 48 be listening and find out how you can do that or go to their website at columbustravel.com. More coming up on the Rod Arquette Show and Utah's Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. But today, it is National Nurses Day, and we've been spending the last couple of days, each hour of the show, recognizing some of the great nurses and healthcare workers out there who are helping us during this crisis. And we want to recognize another one. Her name, Allison Johnson. She was nominated by Artie Johnson. And here's what Artie writes about Allison Johnson. He said, Allison works as a CNA med tech at the Ridge, an assisted living memory care center. She loves her work caring for these special residents who are truly quarantined. They cannot have visitors and their only contact members of the staff. Even though she has to wear a mask, Allison's smile shows through her countenance and her eyes glow with the love that she has for the residents. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's there. This is truly a labor of love. And she gets paid back by the smiles that she receives and the ray of sunshine she brings into the lives of those she serves. Ask any of her co-workers and residents, and you will find that Allison is an angel in disguise. What a nice nominating that letter that is, Artie. And we appreciate that. So congratulations to Allison Johnson, or Allison Johnson, nurse that we are recognizing here on the Rod Arquette Show and Talk Radio 105.9. And for that recognition today, Allison, as part of our celebration of National Nurses Day, you receive a beautiful... That's 
All right, here in just a second, welcome back to the Rod Arquette Show. Here in just a second, we're going to be talking with uh, Jay Ratliff about what's going on in the airline industry. But I want to share this with you. A survey out tonight is revealing some really shocking statistics about people who are hospitalized in New York City. The survey shows that two-thirds of New Yorkers hospitalized with coronavirus were admitted from their homes. That's a shocking statistic that defies social distancing logic. The curious conclusion was reached in a three-day survey of patients hospitalized with the virus this week and revealed by the governor today. 66% of the people were at home. So, so much for social distancing, right? The same survey found that 46% were unemployed and 37% were retired. We get more information on this. It leaves us all scratching our heads, doesn't it? All right, we were just talking with Larry Gelwicks. Of course, uh, Columbus Travel. Don't forget, listen to the Travel Show every Saturday from 11 to 1 here on KNRS. Joining us on our Newsmaker Line right now is Jay Ratliff. Jay is the aviation expert with iHeartMedia. Jay, thanks for joining us tonight. We've got a lot of airline news I want to talk to you about. A lot of people are interested as to when it's going to be safe to fly again. But, um... What word or what are you hearing about airlines now asking people to wear masks if they want to uh, line? Are, are all the airlines asking this, just a few of them? What are you hearing right now, Jay? Pretty much they are. And this started with JetBlue. Well, actually, it started, if we can walk it back, to a couple of viral instances where passengers were taking pictures of planes that actually had a lot of people on board. Uh, both were American Airlines flights. One was out of Miami, headed to New York. The other was from New York, headed to Charlotte. And in both instances, the, the majority of passengers did not have masks. And uh, the, the pictures were taken. They went, the story went viral. And a lot of people were commenting, oh, my gosh, I can't believe, you know, that uh, these passengers didn't have some sort of nose and mouth protection. So that was kind of the mentality of a lot of people. And then you had uh, JetBlue last week that came out and said, look, we're going to require any passenger on our flight uh, to wear a mask. In fact, as you as you check in, as you're in the gate area, if you're in the executive lounges, and during the course of the flight, you'll have your nose and mouth covered. Now, of course, we all don't have access to medical masks, so JetBlue said, "Eh, make your own." And I remember thinking when I when I read this story <laughs> as it broke, I thought, "Wait a minute!" It was a month ago. the The World Health Organization, who we all bow before, said that uh, masks for healthy people. They don't prevent yeah. uh, you from getting it or from giving it to someone else. So, so why is this? And then I'm remembering about some of the stuff that's happened before, and I thought, if I can have a scarf that can cover my nose and mouth and that's okay, this is not about safety. This is about perception, trying to get people to be relaxed, thinking it's okay to fly. And look, when you're talking about a 93 to 95% drop in traffic from what we saw a year ago, Airlines are beyond desperate to try to get travelers back. And uh, the numbers are increasing, uh, but, you know, we're still way off the two yeah, and a half million yeah. that we normally have. So you're saying, Jay, if this makes people feel better, you know, they'll do whatever they can to get them uh, back on those flights. Jay, um, how about the flight attendants? I understand you write that they were pushing for this. Is that right, Jay? Well, they were. They were, and, and they were big proponents of it, saying, look, you know, we're, we're spreading the disease. We're not you know, preventing it. So as a result, I mean, the, the, the flight attendants union was pushing, A, is back as far as February, uh, for them to be able to wear masks. Most of the airlines said no. They've now said yes. Um, and, and also now that JetBlue is, has kind of followed the, the, you know, set the pace here, we have Delta, American, United, Frontier, 
all the rest of them saying, yes, we, we're going to require that you wear masks too. So the perception game continues. And I need to certainly uh, recommend or acknowledge what Allegiant has done. They've created a passenger protection kit. And this week, they're going to start giving passengers on every one of their flights a, a, a kit that basically has a one-use mask, some non-latex gloves, as well as some uh, cleansing wipes that passengers can use when they're on board the flight. Now, if airlines are going to produce something that is closer to the medical masks that are being used, then I'm all for it. Wow, that, 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 that's interesting. Jay, talk to about this new boarding process that it sounds like United is trying to do. I've, I've always wondered why <laughs> they don't do this in the first place, but what exactly are they trying to do, Jay? Well, my wife and I flew in February, and of course, we flew from Cincinnati, Orlando, and back. We boarded last, because we, we were able to sit up front in first class. And I, we don't want to be boarding early and having everybody, you know, walk by us. And you know how fast the planes move. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. like turtle speed. So you have all these people slowly walking by you, hacking all the way. So, you know, you want to board last. So United has said that they're going to require, mandate, force their first-class passengers to board last. And basically they're going to let everybody get on the plane and then they're going to allow the first-class passengers to board last so that they, they do not have that exposure from every board, everybody boarding after they board. And of course, because you know all the first-class and the, the big-time frequent flyers, they get to board first, they're on board. Many of these men and women use that time, the 30 minutes or so that this boarding process takes, to get a lot of their last-minute work done, uh, to get stuff taken care of, phone calls that need to be made, just work as they need to. Um, from the gate area once they're on board the plane, and they get a drink, they, they relax. Yeah, yeah. They kinda, they're used to being spoiled. Now, knowing a lot of these individuals as I've got to know them over the last, say, I don't know, 30 years or so, um, I don't know how they're going to take being told to go last. <laughs> so here's what's going to happen. We're going to okay. see every other airline follow United's lead, or we're going to see this period of crickets where they don't do anything. Because I, I suspect they're going to wait and see exactly what's going to happen here. Because United may walk this back. They may say, you know, it, it's, it's a recommended. We're not going to require it. Because you don't tell the money people that you're going to make them board last. It, I just Look, I, I applaud United for doing what they're doing. Because they're trying to protect people. But, you know, when, when part, with airlines right now, you pay extra so you can, you can basically yeah. Yeah, be first. board before everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Final question for you, Jay. I know it's minuscule, but is it true that the TSA is reporting the uh, passenger numbers are increasing a little bit? They are. In fact, we're seeing right now. Uh, well, it was a couple weeks ago. That two and a half, three weeks ago, eighty-seven thousand, I think, that flew, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. which was the lowest reported number that we'd had. And then uh, now we're up to one hundred and seventy-seven thousand, and that number's slowly starting to increase. So as a result, you know, you could say, hey, we've doubled the number of passengers that are flying. You know, we're nearly at 180,000. Well, when you keep in mind that there's 200,000 or 2 million people that are supposed to be flying in the course of a day, you know, those numbers still are incredibly weak. And you have airlines that are losing more than $100 million a day because of the government money that they took. They are pre- uh, prevented from slashing their payroll and, and cutting a lot of their routes until October 1st. And that's going to be a day when, unfortunately, a lot of airline employees, based on the demand at that time, uh, could be getting, uh, you know, you are laid off notices 
and we can see 100, 150,000 people that work for airlines today uh, basically uh, shown the door temporarily um, as of October 1st. Jay Radliff, aviation expert with iHeartMedia, joining us on our Newsmaker line, talking about what's going on in the aviation industry right now. All right, when we come back, how many of you have taken the uh, the Trax train from uh, downtown Salt Lake City out to the uh, Salt Lake International Airport? New study looks at the cost-effectiveness of that project. It's not good news. We'll talk about that on the Radar Catch Show. You know, let's highlight some of the... Uh, some of what's going on in Utah during this COVID-19 pandemic. Of course, as you all know, Utah has moved from a high-risk phase to a more moderate risk phase. Economic reactivation or getting life back to normal uh, is underway. And on May 1st, a few days ago, last week, as a matter of fact, the governor issued an executive order that formally places the state under a moderate risk health and business guidance. Now, One of the things that they're talking about for you, and there's a real debate on this, but a lot of people here in the state are urging you to um, wear a mask. As a matter of fact, it's a project called A Mask for Every Utah. When you're in public, you're being asked to wear a mask. Doing so, they claim, will help protect you and others as they work to keep Utah healthy and safe. Nearly one million of the two million total masks are being offered free by the state's A Mask for Every Utah in partnership with the Utah Manufacturers Association. Now, the mask initiative is for all Utahns who aren't able to purchase a face mask, don't already have a face mask, aren't able to make face masks, or get one for someone else. If you want to find out how you can be a part of this project called A Mask for Everyone, just order it on. This is about inspiration. Congratulations to the class of 2020. From iHeartRadio. Put me on a highway, the interstate. A dirt road to any place Long as I'm long gone Chasing down some blue skies In my old truck Turn the world out Turn the radio Sing along To my freedom song The Rod Arquette Show On Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS Dave Ramsey coming your way at the uh, top of the hour, and we'll uh, read you the name and the nominating letter for our last nurse or healthcare worker being recognized today as part of uh, National Nurses Day. Now, all right, how many of you, raise your hand, have ever taken the Green Line Tracks UTA train from uh, downtown Salt Lake City out to the airport? Apparently not many of you. A new study is really going after airport rail lines, not only here in Salt Lake City, but in Denver and Dallas as well, and they're calling them very pricey boondoggles. Well, let's find out more about this study with Michael Hendricks. He is Director of State and Local Policy at the Manhattan Institute. That's the organization that did this study. Michael, thanks for joining us on the show tonight. Um, Why don't these light rail lines out to airports make economic sense? They cost a lot of money to reach locations that are far, far away. So the problem that we see looking at 23 different light rail systems that we studied across the country, uh, one big problem is overextension. You spend a lot of money to not have very many riders go very, very far distances. Just Dart's line in Dallas to DSW Airport serves about the daily equivalent of a single New York City subway train at a cost of $700,000 per rider. That just does not make economic sense. 
Why did they perform so so poorly? Any any idea, Michael? I mean, what are some of the issues involved in this? Do you think? Well, look, light rail is very expensive to build. Um, the hope is that you can get enough people to ride it so that it pencils out. But especially when you're talking about going out to the airport, you have freeways that are normally faster than light rail. Uh, you have distribution centers that are on airports. So the development is not very dense or walkable around an airport. And there's a lot of noise and pollution. So people aren't likely to live there or have a lot of jobs around there. So it's hard to get ridership up. You're just hoping and praying that enough people from the airport will find it worthwhile to ride very long distances on light rail. And we just don't see that happening, whether in Salt Lake City or Denver or Dallas or really anywhere else across this country. So is it easier for uh, people, let's say, flying into an airport, easier for them to grab a a cab or maybe Uber or have a friend pick them up instead of lighting right? right. I'll be honest with you, and I've lived here since that thing's been built here in Salt Lake City, Michael. I've never ridden it. had no desire to ride it. I just say, I don't need it. I'll just drive to the airport. Is that the general feeling most people have? (laughs) Look, if you have a light rail system, it is important to ask how you can make it better. So... If it's hard to get to the airport late at night or early morning or on the weekends, or if you're flying in and you find it hard to, to take rail to downtown, then if you're not going to be ripping up the rail anytime soon. You want to be able to make sure that you can increase service and make these uh, trains more reliable. It's not rocket science, but it's just essential. If you can, Our study found that if you can increase service, you can, you can improve ridership at relatively low marginal cost. But look, if if you're an airport, if you're a city that doesn't have a light rail line to your airport, don't worry about it. Sure, people ride cabs. They, they get rides from friends. But it's important to improve and expand your bus service. Bus rapid transit offers a better, more economically sustainable path forward, not only to connecting the airport, but just for getting around cities. It's important, and that's something that Salt Lake City, I know, is looking into to have this kind of bus rapid transit that's a much cheaper and more flexible alternative to light rail. Boy, I want, I remember uh, years ago, Michael, here in Salt Lake City, when they were selling this to the public, and they thought it would be the greatest thing next to sliced bread, for crying out loud, you know. Oh, people will use it. It's a great service. Look what we've got. It's really cool to have. Why do politicians get so behind projects like this? Look, it <laughs> always is something that is bright and shiny and new. Look, we're not... We're not against transit. We're not against light rail. We're just trying to say, how can we make this work? How can we make it pencil out? And it's incredible how few light rail systems in this country have anything resembling decent ridership. Most of the light rail systems that we look out look at over an entire day often couldn't fill one subway train in New York City during rush hour. It's just incredible. So, look. Ignore what makes something bright, shiny, or new. If a bus that works and comes by often and frequently, if it works, do it. And if you have the ability to build densely, do it and allow that kind of um, density and frequent service to make, over time, a light rail project actually work. We found that really just, just two things predict whether or not a light rail system will work. It's density are you close to jobs and are you close to houses and then frequent service? That's it. It's just a simple ingredient. You don't have to have a fancy bright, shiny and new light rail system to make people want to ride it. You just need to have 
housing, jobs, and to make it actually work. That's all you need. Well, and I'm thinking about uh, Western communities like Salt Lake City and like Phoenix and like Las Vegas, uh, and even in San Diego. San Diego's the only one I know where you're flying right downtown, uh, and the others are spread out. Does that have a role to play in this? Because I'm thinking of Denver. I think it is a day and a half outside of Denver, their new shiny airport that they've had for years out there. I mean, to me, that just doesn't make economic sense to put a light rail system all the way out to the new airport in Denver. doesn't make any sense to me at all. Right. If you've ever flown into Denver, you know that that is a very long, lonely ride downtown from the airport. (laughs) Look, most most light rail systems in in the country make two mistakes. One, they build along corridors with very few people, often because it's just politically easier. Or two, they have these really long distance trips like two airports that just can't compete with freeways. And we want to make sure that there's options for people getting around. But you know, we're in a tight budgetary time right now. We have people losing their jobs, and we want to make sure that whatever is being offered as a transit solution can actually pencil out over the long term. Otherwise, when times get tough, expensive boondoggles can often be the first things cut. You talk about alternatives, and you talk about busing and fast-track busing. Why do you think that would be so much more effective, and how would that work exactly? Right. So you want to be able to offer lanes that are dedicated just to buses if you have the street width to do it. And I know in many parts of Salt Lake City, you do have that. You often want longer buses. You want people to be able to purchase their tickets before boarding. These are just all small tweaks that over over the long haul ensures that having a frequent bus service that comes every 10 minutes or every five minutes or something so frequent that people can depend on it uh, that that's actually something that can work for most people in most places. And we see that across America and even across the world. Bus rapid transit is a cheaper and actually even more efficient solution for transit and can even be a stepping stone for light rail once you actually get the density of jobs and housing and frequency of service uh, around it and local policy at the Manhattan Institute talking about this new study, which basically says, you know what? Uh, (laughs) Pricey boondoggles is what he calls light rail systems that lead to uh, airports in various cities, including Salt Lake City. Interesting study. The Rod Arcancho continues here on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Listen, and you'll know, you know, for the past two or three days, it has been a real joy to recognize some of the wonderful nurses and healthcare workers that we have here in the state of Utah. We've been doing this starting on Monday, reading four names every day, right up through today, as part of the National Nurses Day celebration. Today, in fact, is National Nurses Day. And everyone who has been recognized, the names that we've read on the station, have received a beautiful blanket from Minky Couture. And our final recipient is a nurse by the name of Mindy Tippins. She was nominated by Mark Tippins. And here's what Mark wrote about his wife, Mindy. He says, my wife, Mindy, is a U.S. Army trained nurse of 23 years. In her current position, she is a resource for several long-term rehab facilities here in Utah. When the COVID-19 outbreak was at its worst in Washington State, she volunteered to help one of the facilities there due to the need for extra staff. She did this without concern for being exposed to this awful sickness. After helping there... She had a quarantine herself due to the exposure. She was away from her family for a total of 28 days. 
During her quarantine, she was placed on the governor's COVID-19 task force, where she has been a resource to ensure the needs of patients and facilities all around the state. Also, she has been helping to open a facility in Salt Lake for COVID-19 patients that no longer need hospital care. Her husband, Mark, writes, I would like to say Mindy has done all of these things tirelessly. Wouldn't be true. She works very hard. But I can say that she puts her own well-being second and does all of this without complaining. Thank you, Mindy, for your service and a result of your nomination and recognition. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.